0: We are so glad that you can join us for another Bridge for Peace Healing to the Nations podcast with Annette Eckert. Today's episode, God does hear you. Here is Annette.
1: Welcome. I'm Annette Eckert here for Bridge for Peace in our New York studio, bringing healing to the nations through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And today I know you're going to be encouraged by the testimony and the experiences of my friend, Rich Marcotte. Rich, welcome.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Rich, we've been studying together online um, Foundation for Healing and also just listening to people's testimonies because testimonies are what really give us a living example that God is alive today.
2: Amen to that.
1: Working through his people. So what would you want people to hear about today, Rich, of your many experiences with the Lord? What comes to your mind today?
2: Well, I guess because I knew this interview was coming up, I've been thinking about it a little bit. And I I had to be brought back to when I first came to the Lord. Uh, I was blessed to have a younger brother who came to the Lord when he was 16, 16 or 17 years old. He's young, I'm the number one in the family, oh, okay. okay, he was number two, uh, so we're close, and uh, we were, you know, it's typical brothers growing up on Long Island, and uh, fortunately for us, he lived down the block from a uh, fella named uh, Danny Butterfuco, who is now a pastor here on Long Island in the Bayshore Babylon area, and Danny's family came to the Lord, while John was in his mid-teens, and they invited John to church, and John was the type of guy, John's a very intelligent guy, although if he ever hears this, he's not going to believe I said that. (sighs) Uh, He's a very intelligent guy whose interests varied. He's the only musical one in the family and, and all, and I just figured this was another three to six month phase he was going through and his, you know, this discovery of Christianity. And Mm. I said, John, in six months, you'll be in the airport selling incense in a robe with a shaved head. Mm. And then I saw that continue. So
1: so let me just explain that for those that are listening. So that's another religion. Not everybody maybe is necessarily exposed to that religion. But so what you're saying to him, actually, Rich, is that Right now it's Christianity. Then it'll be Hinduism, and then it'll be Hari Krishna, Correct. and then it'll
2: be Muslim. Or I just figured just it one was thing a phase. after the next. I just a figured phase. it was a phase. Before yeah. that, it was his music or art or whatever. He's a, uh, a Renaissance guy, and it didn't stop. And I saw that. And um, he held fast
1: to Christianity.
2: Yeah, he held fast, all right, and. Um, he, I think, headed up the uh, Christian Fellowship over at Nassau Community College and then was a part of it at Queens College, and then he went to uh, Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia and followed that up by furthering his studies all the way over in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: Well, wow, so he, even through his teen years, he became a leader, yes. actually a Christian leader. For yes. His love for Jesus.
2: So, you know, he had a lot of people praying for me, and uh, you
1: mean you were still resisting oh yeah okay yeah
2: even though I had gone I had gone to his church which uh, I had uh, a great experience the first time I went to the church heard a very dynamic dynamic sermon invited a friend back for the uh, uh, the second time I went and had a very negative uh, experience Uh, I won't go into that but it Mm -hmm. just kind of turned me off Mm And then, uh, you know, the Lord just protected me because you know I was a, a young guy, I, you know, just living life and thinking I was a good person. And, you know, not that I was, a, what I would have classified a bad person, mm-hmm. but not really having knowledge of sin and, and, and uh, what God really expects of us, uh, how we ought to live our lives and, and realizing what the word says, define sin and Hey, I was doomed. I, I was I was heading down the road wrong road okay. uh, Finally uh, I Had gotten married and on April 26 1980 uh, We were expecting uh, our first child uh, we had um, my, my wife Pam had gone through a miscarriage once and now here Uh, about seven weeks before her due date uh, I came home I had played ice hockey that night I played club ice hockey I came home and she was not feeling well and I was kind of exhausted and well uh, what do you want to do well maybe I'll call the doctor in the morning I closed my eyes, I fell right to sleep, and woke up to the phone ringing the next day, and little did I know, that next day changed my whole life. Mm. Um, As it turned out, we went to the hospital, and her placenta had ruptured. Mm. And all of a sudden, we were in a room with a whole bunch of people, also there to have children delivered. And the doctor grabbed me by the arm, and I'll never forget the grip on my arm, I mean, it just the seriousness was there, pulls me out of this room and says, uh, I have to get the baby out of her for her sake as well as the baby's. Well, I went back into that room, kissed my wife what I thought may have been a goodbye kiss. Mm, Terrifying. Yes, I was terrified and the room was empty. All, of a sudden, all these people had gone, been taken out to different delivery rooms mm. and all of a sudden I was in this big empty room by myself mm. and I realized the only call I could make was upstairs to this God that my brother had been talking to me about. And I just pleaded with God to save my wife's life. And well, not only did he save her life, but uh, you know, my, my son Michael was born Four pounds, four ounces. He was very small, Mm. Uh, but I knew. I I, after I spoke to both my in-laws and my parents and made sure that they knew that you know what had happened and that uh, Pam wasn't out of the woods yet. But just that uh, I called John and said I got to change my life. Brother John. Yeah, I got to change my life. I can't. I can't live the way I've been living. You know, I've got God just. And I without any, I didn't deserve anything from God, mm. and he answered this prayer, so that changed everything. Yes. That was the game-changer.
1: So what did the doctor say?
2: Uh, n- nothing really. I mean, you know, my next memory is them bringing out Michael. He looked like a little astronaut in this mm. portable incubator, Yes, and uh, you know, he, uh, that <laughs> He became my little prayer partner mm. for the longest time, and and uh, I've been blessed with two more sons. Yeah. You know, since him, I, I I've had a very blessed life. Uh, God has made Himself very real to me in a lot of different ways.
1: You know, you're talking about 1980. We're in uh, 2023, yeah, so
2: 43 years. Yeah,
1: 43 years ago, the technology for premature babies. was not then what it is today, so what a blessing that he grew up strong and, you know.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, in that I had her. I mean, she was hemorrhaging, and, you know, it it could have been it. I mean, when that doctor grabbed my arm, Mm -hmm. I knew (laughs) this isn't a good, you know, loving, oh, everything's going to be okay. It's the sense of urgency was in his voice and in his grip. Yes. But... uh, I had so a different it, grip put on me that yeah, day too. Yeah, there's more
1: than one birth that yeah, took place absolutely. that day.
2: Absolutely, oh. and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. I mean, I uh, Rich, you know
1: before you go on, let, let me ask you, what did John say? Your brother John. So you called your brother John.
2: I John was you know obviously he's happy. Yes. You know I, <laughs> whether he believed me. <laughs> Okay. I, I, you know, I and I, I think by now the test of time has shown him that uh, hey, you know, his faith is real. Okay. Um, so he
1: had the same doubts about you that you had about him originally.
2: Yes. Yeah, kind of. But God
1: of. never doubted either of you.
2: <laughs> that that's true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I guess it was about, uh, gosh, maybe nine years later, I went through a, just a terrible time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had moved the family out here in 87. Uh, I was working at the Shoreham Nuclear Power Station and I thought that I had tied down my career future. And um, Shoreham, they decided not to open it and in fact to decommission it. So now my job was basically going to be taking apart what I had worked on for the previous, uh, well, from 1978 on. And at that same time, my marriage was collapsing mm. it was just a terrible terrible time Yes. along with that just the stress of everything what am I going to do in the future Is do I have a future in my family and everything yes. uh, I was physically a wreck I mean I just the stress just mm. peeled Precious. the weight off of me my heartbeat went up about 10 beats per minute you mm. know uh, so uh, I was going through a horrible time and I I guess, uh, you know, my walk with the Lord wasn't as strong as it should be. You know, whether I just hadn't progressed in my faith all that much, I guess, to be honest about it. And I can remember one night uh, there was a terrible, terrible thunderstorm. And I, uh, I took a drive down to Shoreham Beach and just basically walked on the beach and asked God, take me out of this. I just wouldn't have cared at that point. It was just everything seemed so bleak. Hmm. and um, uh, a couple of days later I was praying and I, I just couldn't even pray I was just in tears just crying to God over things and uh, several things were going on um, and, and God just reached down through all of it and, and just dragged me up out of the mud so oh. to speak and, uh, in
1: that same night, you had that sense of it, um, on In the that beach? same
2: week, and it, it just uh, it just started me on a road. And one of the things I was praying for was that God would bring godly men into my life. Because yes. I realized, you know, I'm a likable guy. I had a lot of what I thought were friends. But not friends that knew the Lord, not not people that could give me godly wisdom or scriptural advice, and uh, I've been blessed incredibly. I'm still being blessed in that area. It's such mm. I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am that I prayed that prayer. That's wonderful. And and you know more evidence in my life that He is a God who hears. Mm. You know. So
1: tell us, <clears throat> all those that are listening today, Rich, Tell us the benefits of having godly men. You said you you thought you had friends. Right. Tell us the difference between those friends you thought you had and the godly men in your life.
2: Well, Annette, as I've I've told you in the past, your brother Kevin is uh, a good friend of mine now. Uh, Kevin came into my life, I guess, somewhere between 8 and 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, I don't know. And uh, he is... One of the most brutally honest people I've ever met in my life, which is kind of nice. He cuts through all the baloney, he cuts through the chase and whatever he's whatever the Lord is speaking to him, he says to you and there's other men in my life like that, friends, brothers in the Lord that, you know, not only can we just get together and, you know, do Bible studies or things like that, but they're just friends. And, and the balance that is added to your life with that and knowing that just through that friendship, there's a natural accountability for the way that you're behaving. Uh, That's... And, and, and there's a relaxation. I know when I have a problem. I know who I can go to and count on to get wisdom, good godly wisdom. That it's in, in the past, like I said, when I went through the crisis I went through back in 1989, I did not know where to turn, even though I was praying and, and, and you know doing a lot of things on the surface, like I said, I, I realized I hadn't grown much in my walk. I knew Jesus was real. I knew he died for me. I knew that, Putting my faith in him for my eternity was real. But as far as the application into my life, it, it just hadn't happened, mm-hmm. the, the practical side, mm-hmm. let's say, of our faith. Mm-hmm. So.
1: so as the word says, two are better than one, because Amen. if one falls down, the other can help them up. Amen. Amen.
2: And, and having brothers that can open up the word to you when you need it. Uh, it's important and and what it's done for me basically it's given me a heart for other men when I see them struggling in areas of their life mm-hmm. now not everybody receives it I mean it that's just the way it is and God's a gentleman and doesn't force himself on anyone Right. Um, but it's because of that I've been able to uh, uh, lead more than one men's ministry since that time and uh, the joy that you get, as you know, I mean, when, whenever you're teaching anything, you wind up learning more exactly. about what you're go, or you're about to teach. Exactly. And therefore, it's opened up my heart, and my and you know, my mind somewhat to God's ways. So, when you talk
1: about men's ministry, and we might have uh, people that are living listening today who would say, "Wow, that sounds great! I'd like to get together with some godly men and." Maybe there's some ladies I like to get together with godly ladies. The right. same thing applies, you know, that having someone that you can be accountable to, someone who loves you, who will speak the truth in love to you. What did you find as you led men's ministries through the years? What did you find as a key to gathering people together and, and walking as a community together
2: well, I, th- I think that, uh, well, opening and closing in prayer, as you know, very, very important. Uh, understanding that God is in the midst of us when we do that, as a, as a group in particular, and God has stated that. Um, I think focus. men are very goal or project focused. It mm-hmm. seems to be the way that we're made up. So, uh, you know, when you start a study and you're together working on understanding something in the word, Uh, having uh, people that are working together with you to open up the word and discuss things because to, uh, to not have someone to bounce things off of and realize when your perspective might be skewed is dangerous. Mm -hmm. so you know no man is an island they say and (laughs) we already live on Long Island so Mm -hmm. you don't need to be an island within the island Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been very blessed in that way that uh, even in leading uh, studies or, or certain things that we were into I've always tried to surround myself with people that I I knew loved the Lord and I've been very, very blessed to get their perspectives on things and have guys say to me, brother, you're looking at that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, you have a, if you're not prideful, and right. <laughs> kind of the pride kind of got knocked out of me mm-hmm. enough, enough times, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, I, you, I heard that undercurrent of pride, you know, that undercurrent of where, what your journey to humility has looked like. And I think that that's so key, what you're just sharing, which is the journey to humility, and right now being in a place of humility of sitting down at a table, everybody opens the Word, we look at the Word together, and we honor each person's perspective as they look at that Word and what that Word means to them, and then we learn, because the Holy Spirit is the one who's bringing the revelation, bringing the teaching, and we learn from one another. So we want to encourage everyone who's listening today, we want to encourage you to get together, get a group together, you know, two or three. Amen. And And. open up the Word. Where where are you attracted right now? Do you want to read the Gospels? Is something that Paul wrote that you're attracted to? Where did you begin, Richard? We only have a couple minutes, or not even a couple. We don't even have a couple, so I won't ask you that. What I'm going to ask you to do is to pray. For those that are listening, saying, "I wish I had a godly friend. I wish I had someone like that in my life," I'm going to ask you to pray for those that are listening. Who are, we can all use more godly friends.
2: Well, think about this, uh, Annette. Look at the uh, the soldiers that were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. They died. Mm-hmm. Then look at the centurion, who said to Jesus, "Just say it. Just give the order." Okay, so. You know, you, you look, at, look at the people out there that may not have heard of the Lord. You want, you want your life to be a witness of that to them so that they are open to listening to the Word. So when you're together and when, when you seek out fellow believers to get together with, and we're going to pray for that right now, uh, be open to that. Be open to God's leading through His Spirit. So we have about 30 seconds. So uh, why don't we start that prayer? Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in my life. I thank you for the people that you've brought into my life that have just shared with me tremendous wisdom over the years and shared with me the spirit that God has brought into their lives. I just pray that for every listener right now that you would answer that prayer and bring those friends in Jesus' holy name, amen.
1: Amen, God bless you. I'm Annette Eckhart with Bridge Today, bringing healing to the nations through Jesus Christ.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridge for Peace Healing to the Nations podcast with Annette Eckhart. To learn more about Bridge for Peace or become a partner with the ministry, please visit us on our website, bridgeforpeace.org. If you would like to discover how to pray for healing and understand all that grace provides through the shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection, sign up for our Foundations for Healing course on our website. Also, if you have any questions, please email us at info at bridgeforpeace.org. We hope you join us again next week for another inspiring episode of the Healing to the Nations podcast with Annette Eckert. This is Scott Silverberg for Annette, saying God bless you, and let
2: Jesus be your bridge for peace.